yeah, um, I think dancing is what opened the door to everything, really. Because as a kid growing up in China, I actually loved dancing. I wanted to dance, but I wasn't really allowed to <coughs> dance in China because, like, you got to focus on school. Hey, Islanders, welcome to episode 130 of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm continuing my conversation with Bernice Yi. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Kamano Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Kamano Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Kamano Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. Um, I just listened through my whole intro all over again. And uh, I'm really thinking of updating it soon, so woohoo! Um, so look forward to that. Let's uh, let's hope by like episode 150, I have that done. So we'll see, see how that comes along. How's your guys' week going? I hope it's going well. Um, it's been an insane week for us. Um, just trying to get all ready. We are reopening ice cream at the marketplace, so that's been an exciting development. Um, so yeah, that's been my week. Um, so today I am continuing my conversation with Bernice Yi. Uh, if you didn't hear last week's episode, you're going to be a little bit lost jumping into this one. So be sure to go back and listen to part one. Um, but this episode, we're going to get a lot more into her, her career side and, and how she grew her career, um, how COVID affected it. Um, if you didn't remember, um, she is a comedian that lives locally here on the island. Um, but right now she's actually on tour. So that's where I talked with her. Um, <clears throat> and so, again, if you haven't heard last week's, go back to that. Um, but yeah, this episode, you're going to get a lot more into the uh, how she got over here um, as far as like what brought her over here, what, how'd she get her started in her career, um, and then uh, how she got into comedy eventually. So we'll all get into all of that and more in this conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bernice Yi. Okay, very cool. And um, what time frame is this? Because Xbox would have been fairly new at this point, right? Yeah, that was new. Uh, uh, when I... <laughs> joined Microsoft was 2006 mm. yeah 2006 so, so at the time they were like come join us to help us build the you know the next generation gaming system uh, the Xbox just released wow but yeah yeah so it's very early on very, very cool early. nice mm. and you you had mentioned that you had done some gaming early on like you and your friends would do that right uh, yeah my, my cousin I Actually, I you know play those like Contra, uh, Resident Evil, uh-huh. those games. I'm I'm not necessarily good at it, but I enjoy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the graphics. I said that's kind of the reason I focused on computer graphics, mm-hmm. um, and then that's also why Xbox was interesting because games and the the graphics. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that when you when you moved over there? Then what was that? What were you doing there? And what was kind of your job? Uh, my job is, um, so the, the official title is software development engineer in test. So uh, our job is focusing on uh, testing the software if it works, uh, trying to break it but by uh, using program, by using automation. My, uh, my first job was actually on the kernel team, so it's like, very hardcore like it's very very technical and the, my first assignment is the 
wireless racing wheel. So like Xbox is trying to race this accessory racing wheel. Yeah. I'm testing the yeah. So I'm testing the driver. I mean the thing is like yeah. Of course I I gave gave your Asian female engineer to test a driving thing. <laughs> <laughs> And sure, she's going to break it, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but then the, the idea is to write program to to uh, exercise this uh, sterling well to see if it works or not. And uh, I have to get in deep into the system, try to break it. Uh, so I wrote uh, automation program to move the well itself to stress stress test it. Yeah. Um, and of, of course, being who I am, like, I'm so used to working hard. I got, I feel like I need to prove myself. Like I would uh, go work, and at night I will be there programming. Later, I wrote a program. It's like the the whale will move itself all night, and uh, so they were like, it's a ghost in the office. You know, like <laughs> I'm not there. I am not there, but the wheel is moving, it's like shaking. I found so many bugs when I'm not there. So like my work was very quickly recognized <coughs> because before I was hired, people were having all kinds of uh, trouble to, like we have tight deadlines. Um, so right away I was quickly knowing the, the, the one who, who tests the, the sterling wheel and everybody knows me and they <laughs> love my work. But I do say though, um, Oh, that's like even later. That's like later. There's sometimes uh, the developers who I work with, um, in the beginning, they have judgment on you. They're like, because like uh, women, they sometimes they just, you don't see that many women engineer. Like yeah. you see more program manager, right? So they automatically assume you're not good. They yeah. automatically assume you're not technical. Uh, so... And then the developers and the tester have an interesting relationship because a lot of times the testers are there to try to find the bugs for the engineers. Yeah. And engineers don't like that. They just want you to finish their work. They don't want to go fix their bugs. Right. And a lot of times if I find an issue, the, the engineer will say, no, it's it's your testing program's fault. You did it wrong, not my code, right? Yeah. And a lot of times the engineer will assume I'm not good at my job. It's my program's fault. So I had to go there, go into their code, find I will have to debug myself. I have to go there, find exactly where things are wrong. And I will say, this is how you fix it. And then to prove it to them. Uh, so that was uncomfortable, but I also that's how uh, I earned the respect for all the engineers because they were like, okay, she knows what she's doing and I'm embarrassed. Yeah. 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 No, I, uh, my background was mechanical engineering. And so, yeah, yeah I think there was like a handful maybe of females in our, of girls mm-hmm. in our classes, but yeah, like 90, 90 to 95% of the classes were, were all guys, you know, yeah. uh, mostly guys. So. Um, wow. So then, uh, you said you were, how long were you at Microsoft again? Five years. Okay. And so during that time, were you, uh, did you just continue to work on the Xbox and in, in, in that group or did you kind of move around there? Uh, I worked at Xbox and then I, uh, two years in, I switched to Zoom. I don't know if you remember Zoom. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, it, it's actually a really fun group. It's like the startup uh, group at, at a Microsoft. Uh, I kind of followed my manager who I really enjoyed working with. He yeah. moved to that group, and so I went there. Um, and then uh, I came back for Xbox 
um, you know, Zoom is kind of like going away, but also Xbox, they are doing the the connect, you know, the camera, the yeah. motion sensing camera. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, you would be great because there's another device that needs a lot of automation. So they want me to come back. So I joined back to work on connect for the connect launch as well. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, then as you came to an end at Microsoft, what kind of prompted that? Um, so now that I've been at Microsoft for five years, and so there's another thing coming to play is uh, I Microsoft is trying to apply for a green card for me, right? And uh, during that period of time, um, I cannot uh, leave Microsoft. Uh, you cannot leave your employer. You're sponsored by your employer. Yep. And second, I cannot change my job discipline. So if I am an engineer, I cannot be a program manager. I cannot do other type of job. Okay. Because, because your green card is in this category. The whole case the lawyer is making is that I am better in this job than what they can find in America, which is another thing that... <laughs> ridiculous but that's the case you know have yeah. to you have to make a case you say this person is so good we have to find her from China right yeah. we cannot get it funny in America so that's the idea but five years in I finally have got to the stage that I'm guaranteed I can actually leave Microsoft and I can actually switch job and then you know how it is when you say it's my freedom I have to take it I just feel like <laughs> I don't do it. I'm wasting the opportunity, right? So, <laughs> so part of that is like I want to try other jobs. You know, what if I do um, business development? Now that my English is so better, I don't know if I just want to do engineering all my life. Uh, I was able to find uh, opportunity as a a, a, a person like a, a executive who see my potential in other like business development. So, hey, what if I mentor your mentor? What if I mentor you in business development, work for me in this small company? And I was like, what do I have to lose now? So I, I took on that offer. Um, it was a wild ride. Uh, the company is called a CDC software. Okay. <laughs> Not the CDC, Center for <laughs> Disease Control, but everybody saw that's where I work. <laughs> Um, they actually ended up going bankrupt. Like I was going to move to San Francisco. They're going to relocate me. Uh, and as I was applying to like to rent a place, it's so difficult to find a rental in San Francisco. Yeah. You have to apply, blah, blah. Uh, it took me so long to apply. The company went bankrupt before I found an apartment. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then so while I was like, okay, you know, maybe I can take a little break. It's fine. I worked hard. Uh, my friend uh, who I worked from Microsoft before, uh, uh, he's going to um, a startup video game company. They're looking for a producer. And, you know, in a startup, so like somebody who can wear all kinds of hats. Yep. Uh, just like, hey, Bernice, why not you just give it a try? You know, like um, work for a month. And if, if things are working out, we can continue. And that's how I uh, tried and I liked the job. Everybody liked me. So I worked a full time there as a producer. The game is called uh, Republic uh, from Camouflage. They're actually are releasing a documentary of the making of the Republic. And I am in that documentary. It's oh, going to come cool. out. I need to actually get back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's very fun because I was, I was a producer. We did a Kickstarter. 
um, from four people, four or five people, um, to now it's multi-episode uh, video game. Uh, I was doing game design. I was also the motion cap capture actress for the main character too. Oh, really? Part of that is to save money. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> Part is to save money, but when they designed the game character, when I showed up, it's like I have the same height and same outlook as the character. Just like, Bernice, can you move? Can you move around? And then say, like, yeah, I can. And so <laughs> uh, I ended up doing the, the, the motion for the main character. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And that one just <laughs> came out. Did that one just come out with another uh, episode or series? Oh, I don't know. I okay. don't know because the first couple episodes took out, uh, uh, went out. I left the company, um, and then they were um, acquired by Gang Ho, a bigger game publisher. So mm -hmm. they've been working with Sony. They've been working with Gang Ho, like a much bigger companies now. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so um, how did you move on from there then? How do I move on from there? Oh my God. So after that, um, I still like startup, uh, but then this game company, you know, like the game industry just work very insane hours. Yeah. With very, you know, like, I don't think we're all treated as human. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's like, I want to work at a startup, but not in, uh, in a, such a, I don't want to say the word abusive but it's between brutal and abusive working environment. Yeah. Um, so uh, also my previous, uh, a mentor from Microsoft is joining uh, a, a startup called Milo. Now it's called Milo. Mm -hmm. uh, they have funding, you know, they their, their founder was the ex-CTO of Microsoft. So it's a much more of an industry veteran company. Mm -hmm. uh, they want me to do some get their testing effort uh, started, which is kind of like falls back to my specialty at uh, Microsoft. So I went to game production, but now it's, I also miss doing some technical work. So I joined yeah. this startup. Yeah, um, they have much better financial um, uh, status too, right? So like, so, okay, I can, I can take care of myself a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so at that company, I was uh, a test architect. So basically, I implement the entire uh, automation system and I set up the lab and so that we can test on all the devices all, every night, kick it off, automatic. I also build a team of testers. Like later, we have like about eight people. So I was managing okay. eight people as well. Yeah, so that... Um, you can actually find the product. So my Leo, I went to Costco the other day. Yeah. And then you know the 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 hard drive, Surgate. Uh, what's the name of the brand? Um, uh, they sell all the portable hard drive. Oh, Costco. like Seagate and stuff. Or Seagate. Yeah. 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 And they have the package with <clears throat> my Leo. So when you buy the Seagate, you get a one year free subscription from my Leo, and that's the company I worked at. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So you were working with them then, and then what kind of transitioned you from there? Um, and then, so the now that we our product launched, right? Uh, and as as employees as a team, we have a lot of feedback for the product. But I think 
the problem with this startup is we have too much money. <laughs> a startup, when you have too much money, there's no urgency, and um, sometimes the founder can be too stubborn when it comes to taking feedback. So instead of building what the customers want, we're building what the founders want. Mm -hmm. And especially now that the product have launched and we feel like, okay, uh, if this is not going anywhere, like I can think about what's next. So I was trying to look for what 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 job do I want to do? Yeah. I was like, I did engineering. I think I, I still like to be able to do uh, producer production or program management because I can get more involved to in influence the direction of a product. Mm -hmm. So I was interviewing with different companies. Um, Hulu, I didn't even know Hulu was in Seattle, right? Cause okay. Like, like at the time, that's 2015, Hulu wasn't really a thing. Like right. we're watching Netflix, um, but somehow it's, uh, it showed up in my job search. Um, I, I know uh, uh, another connection who just, you know, introduced me to the recruiting team. When I was interviewed by uh, the, the senior manager of the program manager team, she uh, she's like super awesome. Like you can feel, because like a lot of times you go to a tech company, uh, if you have a great woman leader, you can feel the difference. And then she just nurtured the, the talent, uh, I instantly just feel like this is good company culture. Like after working at so many companies where you have, when you experience good culture and a good leader, you can spot it right away. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing leads to another, like I was like, okay, Hulu, this is a very unique culture. Um, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, uh, yeah. Very cool. And turned out it's, it's true. Hulu have a very unique uh, company culture, I absolutely love. So the, the five years I worked there was a really great time. I learned a lot. Yeah. So what were you doing at Hulu then? Uh, I was doing program management. So I, a technical program manager, when I when I uh, get in, um, I am on the living room team, they call. So it's like we, we're in charge of the, your Hulu app works good on your living room experience, like Apple TV, Xbox, you know, like some of the experience you can see that ties together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like the, the things we work on, including all kinds of things. My biggest project is probably uh, when we launched the live TV. So okay. Hulu have live TV. And that wasn't a thing when I joined. Right. right. So like uh, at some point, it's like the biggest feature we're trying to support. We don't really know how to do it. Um, but um, uh company made a decision like we're going to launch live tv and you guys figure it out i happen to be in the playback group so i am the program manager that kind of kind of drive how to how we do a, a live playback mm -hmm. uh experience more from the the client's device <laughs> side yeah. yeah okay yeah very cool so you were working at hulu really enjoyed the the company culture and everything what kind of prompted that move then um, I think comedy played a huge part. Okay. Comedy played a huge part. Um, but actually, it's something. Um, do you mind if I take some water? I just yeah, finished no, my water good. here. Yeah, because all these years of while well, working in tech, I also like started doing dancing. I started doing like, okay, this sounds funny, but it's like yoga teacher training. So like, there's a lot of more to explore my creative side. So yeah. Uh, 
when I joined Hulu at the time, I already have a goal. Like, I have a goal when I joined Hulu is that in five years, you know, like people ask you, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. I was like, in five years, I would like to work on something creative um, that will generate income. Yeah. But I also have set myself up for financial stability or passive income in a way that can support my creative outlet. Like I just want in about five years, I'm not like doing a day-to-day office job. I want to have, I set myself up so I can pursue a creative, um, an event, like a pursuit that satisfies me, right? Yeah. So that's my vision, uh, even going into Hulu. Like a lot of people want to climb the ladder. I want to be a director or whatever. I wasn't that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and along the way, I didn't know what that is really. I just so okay, I will find what this thing that have a calling to my heart. Um, and somewhere in between, I started doing stand stand up comedy. Okay. Uh, and I think by the end of my five years at Hulu, that has come pretty clear. I want to do this thing. So yeah. everything has come together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So I want to touch on something real quick. You mentioned. You started doing dancing as well. How did that kind of play into it? Uh, yeah, um, I think dancing is what opened the door to everything, really. Because as a kid growing up in China, I actually loved dancing. I wanted to dance. But I wasn't really allowed to <coughs> dance when, in China because, like, you got to focus on school. I mean, I think in America, people have the uh, impression of like the Asians, they do violin, they play piano, they have to do all these things. It's not like that in China in the old days because that's considered a distraction. We don't even have the luxury to learn any of that. So it's all like math. Uh, you can learn Chinese, okay? Like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, uh, they can go to the dance. There are dance team. Their kids go dancing. My teachers, I know, uh, you can't go. You're too fat anyway. Uh, there's no future for you to dance, but you're good at math. And then when we earn prizes, the teacher also get a bonus, right? So the uh, teachers say, no, you go to a math competition, you go to a writing competition, don't do dance. <laughs> 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 so when I was at a Microsoft, like, you know, after a few years, you feel settled, you find that confidence in your work, you get a little bored because you're like, I'm good at this. Um, somehow my friend uh, invited me to a flash mob dancing oh, thing. Okay. Okay. And the flash mob, they will have free dance lessons. You know, like they have a good dancer teach you the routine. I was just having so much fun. I loved it. It's like I got to do dancing and it's free. I meet friends. <laughs> Uh, so as a hook, I was doing all kinds of dancing, and because of that, I said, I want to take dance classes. And because of the more you do, the more you just, you know, your mind open. I was like, I want to run away to a circuit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, you know, I think there's, that part is always in me, but it's more like awakened by flash mob or dance, whatever you call it. <laughs> yeah. What what type of dance were you focusing on when you first started kind of getting into dance a little bit? Uh, uh, that's interesting because the 
the first flash mob we did was like a Michael Jackson flash mob. And when I was a kid, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like I, I just immediately feel like I can do this. I know the move and then there's more people to do with me. So that was very fun. And I know in college, I... Um, I took some like when I was even in China to some hip hop dance, um, like very casually. But I know I actually got a swag. So when I first started dancing, I was doing mostly like hip hop or freestyle. Yeah. Uh, but I also learned jazz. I learned ballet. Uh, eventually, I got into Argentine tango. I actually that's the. That's the one I have learned the most and the most uh, dedicated in. I've been dancing Argentine tango for seven years. I have, I have studied with a lot of like world famous teachers. I went to Buenos Aires to study there for like a month. So okay. uh, that's kind of where I. I mean, also the thing is, I'm old now, right? Like you don't really go to a hip hop club, like <laughs> so uh, doing something more. Elegant, also like uh, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so then, this is great. Like you've done so many. Like you were doing all of these very technical uh, jobs, work. Like that was everything you were doing. And then it feels very, you know, you turn to to shift over. And, and what was that like for you stepping out into that world? Like you said, you had started doing a little comedy here and there. Um, mm-hmm. When you finally made that decision to step out, what was that? What was that part like for you? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Um, so that was last February. So it's just about a year. I left my corporate job. Wow! Congratulations. And yeah, thank you, thank you. I mean, a year. I just feel like the the focus that I can put into is so great. I like. I feel like it grew so much in my comedy. Um, okay, so. When I make the decision, there's a lot of things come in because I've been working toward this five year goal, right? But then there's, um, I I have been uh, a manager. So a couple years ago, before that, like I was promoted to a manager and I manage a team, and I actually really love my team. Like a lot of times when people quit their job, they hate their job. So, no, I actually loved my job. Yeah. Uh, and I was good at my job, my team members. Uh, I, like they're superstars, but like I also were able to work them, work with them, and see them grow, and have really good relationship. Um, but it's because of that, because I know my heart. It's so much that I want to do this comedy thing, and uh, also pandemic happened, right? So like I I noticed that in the morning I wake up, I work. Uh, by the time I finish my work, I'm already exhausted. I don't have any creative juice or energy left yeah. to work on my craft. And then because you're responsible for people, and I ended up to even work more after my hours. Like when you're in a pandemic, it's really difficult to, to, to call stop and then draw a line. Right. And I found myself like, I I want to, it's one thing is my job, but the one thing is I'm responsible for my team, my people, and I don't want to do anything to hinder their career. Yeah. But in the meantime, I want to grow my craft. I know where my heart and where my passion is. So I'm at that crossroad again. It's like, hey, what's going to lose if I just quit a um, couple years and see what I can do, right? Because I know all these people. I have a good reputation intact. The job will be there. So 
all things doesn't work. I, I will I'll go back to tech. Okay, like something <laughs> sky's falling, I will find a job. I just have that confidence yeah. that I will be able to find a job in tech. But I want to see what I can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then also I have set up uh, the fun. Oh, I moved to Camino Island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's another thing, because like um, during the pandemic, like we discovered. Camino Island. We're like, oh, this beautiful place is cheaper. Um, you know, so uh, we bought a house in Camino Smaller. And I was like, okay, we bought our last house, right? We don't need to apply for mortgage for a while. So <laughs> like, like I can, I can, I can quit a couple of years. Um, so that's also like kind of Camino Island seal the deal. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my budget. Uh, I think I can make it work. Um, yeah, so that's kind of oh, and also Disney is um, have a fully acquired Hulu. Yes. Yeah, so like our company culture is changed a lot. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're doing a lot of merge, um, and the people are trying to figure out what they do at Hulu anyway. So I think it's a really good point for me to starting something new. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So the timing worked. Nice. So how has the last year gone for you then? Because uh, you're jumping in, you know, it's end of a, uh, not end of a pandemic, but you're, you're done with 2020, yeah. but like 2021 wasn't necessarily looking that much better as you jumped into this. Um, what does that last, this last year look like for you? Yeah, honestly, uh, I am so thankful, so grateful. Last year has been amazing. I feel like I grew so much. And People were like, oh my God, you're so brave. You're quitting a job during a pandemic. Um, but actually to me, I see, I'm always a glass half full person, right? Like when people see risk, I see opportunity. Um, so during the pandemic, one thing I'd recognize is like a lot of the teachers, uh, coaches from LA, New York, other parts of the country, they are on Zoom now. I can take classes. I can go to open mic without leaving the home. <clears throat> I can get coaching from people who I admire from LA. You know, I, I'm going to take advantage of that. So I've been working very hard in writing material, honing my skills. So when comedy come back in Seattle right away, I I'm already better than I was before. I have a new material, and that opened up doors for more stage time. And in the meantime, something very lucky happened to me. And I would love to give this shout out to um, in Tacoma. There's a Nate Jackson's super funny comedy club. Okay. okay? Uh, it's a, it's amazing. It's a state of art comedy club. I think it's one of the four, the only one of the four uh, black owned comedy club in the whole nation. Okay. And yeah. And and uh, the owner, Nate Jackson, he is uh, a very funny comedian. You can see him on, on all kinds of like TV credit and things. And he's also a very kind and generous person. So when I showed up at his club, you know, nobody knows me. It's mostly black audience. And I'm just this little Chinese girl nobody <laughs> knows about, right? I did good like uh, at open mic and I sent him a tape and he offered me an opportunity to feature at his club wow. for the headliner. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Like he, the amount of trust and the opportunity he put on me, like I was never able to get from other clubs in Seattle. Yeah. Like other sides, they, they were like, well, who are you? Like they, they don't give opportunity to, to me like that. But he was so kind of generous. And to be honest, like 
in the beginning, I didn't do that well, but I said, don't worry, Bernice, you're funny. He gave me that confidence and the support and that nurturing really kind of rebooted my, my confidence. And But I've been working very hard, even though I live in Camino. Uh, when things open up, I would drive to the city. I crash on people's couches because, you know, the drive, it gets pretty tired at night. Yes. Right. Like if I do comedy, sometimes I have to do that for three five minutes open mic and come back and you have to drive two hours if i drive to tacoma it's even harder so sometimes i will crash on people's couches uh, to do shows yeah um but uh because of that level of focus i think i have definitely um, better at the the craft now uh i was featured in new york comedy festival which is a very prestigious comedy festival very cool uh yeah, thank you. And uh, I I applied for um, this grants for artist progress um, by Washington State. I submitted my work, and I I was I was awarded the grant. I was wow. one of the recipient. I think I'm the only one of the Island County. Very cool. Uh, of the Was- yeah, yeah, representing <laughs> Island County. There we go. So that's a yeah, that's a big affirmation of the work <clears throat> I put into. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that is really cool. Um, I think hearing your whole journey, um, I think a lot of times I, um, I remember as a kid, like you just, or even now, like you talk to people and you're like, how did you, how were you able to, to get through everything you guys have decided to do and to get to where you are now? Um, yeah. And I love hearing the journey of, of people who have just, that you guys have, there's people that have just done things that I just don't know, you know, there's culture, there's how you grew up and things like that, but I just wouldn't have, you know, as I am, wouldn't have been able to, to get through every single, like, of those issues or take those risks or, you know, each, each one of those little uh, roadblocks that you run into just to push past it. Um, I'm always just so impressed with how people have gotten to where they've gotten to. And um, I also just love the fact of how you've gotten to this point where you're kind of at the the top of your game you you were at hulu you had this great opportunity you could have kept going up this corporate ladder but you decided to take that as a pause and decide <laughs> i'm going to do what i want to do and, and what i love doing um and get to do this thing and so um that's that's really cool um I, yeah this has just been so great to hear all this different stuff so oh thank you so much <laughs> so as we look towards 2022 what do you have on the the horizon for this year for your 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 comedic uh, career and, and all of that. Awesome. Um, so for, I mean, this is where I get a geeky, right? Cause I always have my goals and stuff. So for 2022, uh, for comedy, I want to, I want to have a TV credit. Um, because I, I think one of the, the reason is not just for TV credit. It's more for me, I know my comedy, I want to represent and I want to reach to first generation immigrants. Um, and, Honestly, first-generation immigrants, they don't really come out to comedy clubs mm-hmm. because because comedy clubs, you know, like we have language barrier, we have a pop culture reference. And I know for myself as a, a immigrant, a lot of times we don't get the club humor. You know, the first time I went to Jim Gaffigan, like that was a long time ago. I was like, what's a hot pocket, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a reason why I feel like my audience... Um, I'm representing, like right now, I make people laugh because I'm trying to relate to everyone, which is really good, right? Yeah. But 
I hope I can empower the immigrant experience, but I don't think they're always in the comedy clubs. So being having TV credit for me is a way to reach to them. And I want to serve that purpose. So that's kind of my big goal for 2022. It's very difficult, but I, I believe in myself. So, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. Uh, I want to produce more shows. So producing shows uh, in Camino Island, or maybe I can have uh, more opportunity to have open mics. Um, the reason why I want to do that is also first serve my local uh, opportunity, uh, community. Yeah. But also I feel like when I'm doing my own shows, I'm fostering the environment I want to see. I can like, you know, have more opportunities. So that's another thing. And I, and I can bring more immigrant comedians uh, as well. Um, so that's a goal. And I want to get into acting. Um, that's um, another area I want to explore because I feel like my true purpose is to tell my authentic immigrant stories. Yeah. And that does not limit to stand-up comedy. Yeah. So you could be acting. Uh, I'm, I'm writing a script, uh, doing screenwriting. I started a, a draft uh, last year. So this year I want to finish my drafts and then write a more. I actually want to write a TV show uh, about Camino Island, you know, like, because... <laughs> Because to be honest, like my fiance and I, we moved to Camino Island. The jokes just write itself, you know. There's, <laughs> it's a fish uh, out of water experience, and so it's really fun. So one day I want to write this kind of a TV based on Camino Island as home base, but take RV travel across the country, performing comedy type of TV show. Yeah. Oh, very <laughs> cool. Yeah, we also have. Um uh, I've interviewed him before. He's he's done a lot of documentaries, but he's actually working on a, a, a like a docu TV series um, oh. right now. Um, but uh, he's the one who did. Uh, so his name is uh, I always base on it. Um, I have Crouch in my mind because that's the name I've been talking about. But uh, or in my head. Um, wow, uh, uh, Michael Lee. If you remember later, oh. So, Michael Lino. Yeah, so he did. He's his biggest work that he was famous for is the fire beneath us or below us, um, and that was of Mount St. Helens erupting. So him and his team were actually stuck on the mountain as it, af, right after the eruption. Um, and so oh he, he he talks through that story and um, so, but he's now working on a docu series that is kind of he's doing on like old myths and things like that. So. Um, it's just cool that there's these people on Camino doing these big projects. Um, so oh my that's, God, I want to meet. I want to meet him. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think. Um, yeah, I think I'd be really uh, interested in meeting. He's always interested in meeting people in that that community. So definitely, I'll, I'll introduce you guys later on. So uh, amazing. But very cool. Well, I look forward to all the different things and shows and and things that you guys are working on. Um, and uh, yeah, so I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, uh, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? No, I think it's this one. It's my headphone. <laughs> I was noticing them. They look really nice. Yeah, I like them. I got them. They're on discount. There's the Beats one. Uh, I got it under $100. Nice. And I like their, ro- their rose gold. So, like, that's my color. <laughs> Very nice. Cool. Are they sound uh, uh, noise canceling and stuff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's nice on a road trip. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? Um, 
it, it might be a little, a little long, but the um, it's this. So, uh, her name is Jinxing. Uh, is she is uh the first Chinese uh transgender celebrity. She was a world famous ballerina dancer. Um, and uh, she now have her own talk show. She's very funny. Uh, you can call her a comedian. You can call her a, a, a like a multi talented. She does dance, dance complaint. And it's um, the reason why I admire her so much is like she had her sex reassignment operation back in the nineties in China, which is oh, like wow. never never heard of. Like, and she was again. She was on top of her career. I mean. That was a he back then, right? Like he was like recognized internationally as the top Chinese ballerina. Wow! And she had a had a boss. <laughs> she had a boss to you know to to do this publicly. And then you know how China was like we can't even walk next to like so many things are tabooed. And I just feel like she's so brave at what she does, and she did it, and she. Uh, you know, and then she owned it, and then now she's very, very successful, and she's very truthful in her art. Like even nowadays in China, when she have her talk shows, uh, they call her the poisonous tongue because she speak the truth. So mm. I feel like uh, I look up to her as the the courage, the boldness, uh, intelligence, and sharpness, and then truth truthfulness yeah. that she does. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, this one's going to be an interesting question because I think you've, you've done a lot of these things. Um, but (laughs) the idea behind this question is a fill in the blank. And, um, so the question is, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Oh, I know. Oh yeah. I thought about this and that I think the answer, uh, have changed. Uh, I don't. after this talk, I feel like I, I actually, yesterday I thought about something, but then I forgot. Um, I know this is weird, but I always want, I, I always want to, okay. So do you know my backup plan in life is? What? It's to be a monk. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is when I was a kid, my, my dad took me to this island in China, in, in South, Southern China. And um, on the island, they have this Buddhist temple. And it's so beautiful because they have an ocean view. The weather was very nice. Mm-hmm. The monks, they run business. Like, it's not what you think. The, the monks, they have a school. And I, at the time, I said, the, it's so early. You know, not everybody has cell phones. The monks have cell phones. <laughs> they, they have, like, I was like, oh, my God, this is fun. So I always feel like if all things fail, I can just get a plane ticket. I go to that Buddhist temple. I said, please take me. And then I have free food and then I have ocean view, good weather. So like, yeah, I can always do that. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. All so right. I think when I, when I make choices in life, it's like, can I still be a monk on that island? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> that I love that. And the, the other aspect of that is it, um, the reason that question, I love that question, um, is because it's got that uh, preface on the first part of, I know this is weird. And um, I got, I actually took this question from a guy named John Acuff and he was talking oh. about planning out your year. And he's like, there's all these different questions, but if you put a pre- uh, preface on a question, 
if you just said, I've always wanted to do X, your brain, your fear part of your brain will kick in and say, well, you can't say this because that's weird. You can't say this because that's not possible. By putting a preface on that question of, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to, it lets your brain turn off that fear factor. Oh, and, and for you, I like it. And for you, what you're saying with the to be a monk is that same kind of effect of, well, even if all else fails and the world burns, I can still go back and be a monk. And that lets you have this infinite safety net um, and just let you be you and creative. So that that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That was <laughs> great. Great answer. All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Oh, you should interview next. Uh, oh, shoot. I, I think it would be super cool if you interview Nate Jackson. <laughs> okay. I love the idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll look for an introduction for you, from you on that one. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. He is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put a cliffhanger here. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Yeah. All right. And, and finally, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? 20 years so uh okay i feel like it's i will use a quote it's like um don't limit yourself by uh, don't limit yourself with other people's imaginations and don't limit other people with your own limited imaginations that's great yeah yeah, yeah. i i think that's so true i think we always um we always are looking for what other people are thinking of us. Um, and we're always thinking of what we think of other people. And, yeah. um, and yeah, a lot of those different things, uh, stifle creativity or just people's ability to get farther. Cause I think every person is able to do more than they think they can do, but they're only limited by what they, yeah. they, they think they can do. So that's awesome. Well, yeah, I, and I feel like, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go, go, go. <laughs> Oh, no, nothing. I feel like I'm always like when I was younger, I'm always one or the other, you know, so being remembered both sides of it has like right now has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, well, I also forgot to jump start the podcast off, but uh, we just passed Chinese New Year. So happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Year of Tiger. <laughs> yes. My my sister-in-law, uh, she's apparently um, a tiger. So that's her it's her year, I guess. And so her year, her yeah. year. So, yeah. Awesome. So, very in Chinese cool. tradition, you gotta wear red. You gotta wear red in your own year. Okay. <laughs> Something red. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This was great. Thank you so much, Brandon. This is so fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, and when you get back uh, from your traveling around, um, I know people can't see this, but uh, you've been traveling around. So when you get back, we'll have to sit down and have a cup of coffee. Oh, I love that. And I know where to find you. Yes, <laughs> I'm always here. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Bernice Yee for joining me on the podcast today, and thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.